episode of the Freed Thinker podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Vela. On this episode, we will be continuing our discussion on moral philosophy with my friend and atheist, Corey Markham. If you enjoy the content of this show, please consider partnering with us financially through Patreon or via the Podbean links in the blog. Your gift of any amount is really appreciated. But as always, if you cannot afford to do so or just don't want to, that's fine. But please head on over to iTunes and give us a glowing review. Share the love, folks. Uh, Your positive review helps the show show up uh, higher in the rankings when people search for like content. Also, if you haven't picked up your copy, why not head over to Amazon and get your paperback or Kindle version of my new book, Measuring McAfee, Why One Atheist's Attempt to Disprove Christianity Misses the Mark. Well, with that shameless plug out of the way, let's dive right back into the show where we're picking up at the point uh, where we somewhat had a shifting of gears in the conversation, but it's still midstream. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, I recommend going back and listening to that before continuing with this one. Enjoy the show. So at this point, uh, again, um, let, let's explore more the first one because I think that's going to be the the fruit of the matter. I, I think, yeah, um, I think you you've already indicated. Look, you you'd like to find a way to be able to say that raping and, and, and molesting a small child. I, I think I think honestly, and I don't know you that well. I think like me, if you if you ever get to the point where you're where you're actually convinced that. There, that that you know, there is no such foundation, and and you really have to look it in the ground and say, look, um, you know, raping a small child, you know, isn't objectively wrong. I think you know, from what I know of you, that might cause you a little bit of existential angst, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, that, that, that's a that's a big that's a that's a tough road to hoe. That's a big bullet to bite. Um, uh, yeah, that, I, that, I'm not as brave as the, like Russell, say, you know, yeah. who can sit there and just say that. You know the sentence uh, Auschwitz or whatever it was, whatever the specific sentence. You have to help me out here. That it's that that was wrong. He he was, said that that's not a fact. Right. right? Like I, I'm not that brave. Like I I'm I can't. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. Yeah. At least not yet. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, what happened was I got to the point where I was like, look, if, if my position leads here, like I I made a long I made a wrong turn somewhere along the way. You know, I got to backtrack. Um. So so for the sake of just for the sake of argument, moving this along, let's just let's just stipulate two. Um, and, and let's and let's see uh, if we can do something uh, on non-theism to to give a possible foundation. Again, it doesn't have to be true; just has to be yeah. a possible foundation for uh, objective uh, moral realism. Yeah, and just one, actually, one further point, just real quick, uh, and then I'll just launch right into that. But I I, I want to make clear that all the listeners know that I I don't think um, that I that I don't think that raping an innocent child is okay or something like that. Like I, it's an important to like. <laughs> Don't send them hate mail. I mean, yeah, I know. It's like, come on, you know. Like, I so often when when this is discussed, the word objectively is thrown in there, and it's almost just like not really thought about how it's it's entirely possible for someone to subjectively feel that something is wrong, and even as passionately and as strongly or more uh, passionately than someone who says it's objectively wrong. It's just that I there's a there's a further issue for me when it just jumps from saying that it's uh, you know that, that that's objectively wrong and so in other words i can i can perfectly say that i think raping 
an innocent child is wrong. Um, and uh, leaving aside the argument that I'm about to get into, if I don't, uh, you know, affirm more realism, I would just leave it at that and just not further qualify it by saying it's objectively wrong. And that maybe that's just semantical and it's not that important. But I just want to clarify that. You know, like, I actually I think it's really important, and that's where that's where honestly, uh, you know, if we if we had this conversation because we could have this conversation for for days, you know, I yeah. w- I would push you and I would say, look, um, you 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 know. You're, that 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 is, and we'll probably get to this in the end. That that is an act of wish fulfillment. If if you come to a position where there's no such thing as objective, I mean, I think the objective uh, moral realism is, is is the key point that that it's it's wrong in and of itself. Uh, yeah. You know. You know. I I could say well. You know. The the you know the the Cubs are the are the greatest baseball team in the world. Um, it doesn't mean that it's true. <laughs> Right. It, it just, you know, it, it yeah, I, they're I'm not, they're not, by the way, just so you know, they're, they're, are you, are you, are you hoping for one? Are you, are you a Cubs fan? You're Illinois. I'm totally kidding. I, I'm actually, I, I'm a horrible American. I don't watch football or baseball and uh, I was born into a, I would say I was born into a half Cardinal, half Cub family, if you can believe it. it. Got it. Oh, that's <laughs> all right. Um, so, but, so yeah. there's a certain point where I'm going to say, well, you know, if, if you're not able to ground it, um, you might feel you might feel passionate about it. You might you might really loathe it. You might really hate it. But what? But you know, if your if your if your if your semantics actually matched the real world, um, your semantics wouldn't be raping a small child is evil and wrong. The semantics would be I really don't like it. Yeah, and that's fine. And again, that uh, again, as much as that would suck. Um, in terms of being, you know, semantically clear, if that's if that's how I would have to phrase it, that you know, that's how I'd have to phrase it. And I mean, again, I mean, that's it's it's it needs to be clear that uh, that that doesn't mean that it's like something that I like, right. <laughs> or even that I approve of. It's just it's just brutal honesty, you know. Like there, it's possible that what we think is the case in terms of what what is wrong is. Uh, in terms of the universe, isn't actually the case. In in the sense that the universe, if there is no God, right, is just the universe. It right. doesn't give a, a hoot either way because it just doesn't have the capacity to care in the first place. So, but okay. So you know what? Let's let's like you said. Let's just sort of like leave that aside, and let's just kind of see if I, you know, in in terms of atheists, what are the sort of uh, what is the way in which we could try to come up with uh, uh, some sort of ethical framework and I, again I don't know how good this is and, and I, there are all sorts of issues with it again both from atheists and theists but um, one you know one thing I, I want to stress right, right off the bat and I think this actually spills over into everything else that we're going to get into uh, and in fact we'll probably get back to it again and again um, and this is something that you and I have gone around and round about on Facebook in particular you know it's I think it uh, one if we can say anything objectively about uh Morality. I think we can say that um, any any moral uh, paradigm or any ethical uh, framework, um, be it Sam Harris's uh, moral landscape, the the neuroscientist Sam Harris, not the philosopher, <laughs> um, or be it some sort of uh, some sort of you know contractarian thought, contractarianism, and I'll know that in a little bit what what that means for your listeners. But um, or even if it's uh, a sort of modified divine command theory, or as I think, as you had uh, described it in your paper, was it uh, divine attribute theory? Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's how I, that's give, how I would give or take. Yeah, okay. that's how I would describe it. Where, where it's yeah. rooted, where it's rooted on God's nature, not His commands. Right. Okay. So it seems to me that okay. So again, be it Harris's moral landscape, contractarianism, or uh, you know this 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 idea of uh, modified theological voluntarism or divine attribute theory or whatever fancy you know combination of words we have to describe it. Um, it any of these systems eventually necessarily reaches the sort of uh, you know metaphysical or uh, philosophical bedrock, uh, and this at the point this is the point where you know the system essentially just has to dig its heels in and assert um, the first principles uh, and uh, or to as they say I I, I I love to say this whenever I get the chance I just think it has a ring to it <laughs> to pick themselves up by their own metaphysical bootstraps right um, and. I, uh, maybe a simplified way, really incredibly naively simplified way of putting it is just to say that, you know, imagine uh, this is an example that Harris uses actually. Uh, imagine you had someone who just didn't agree with logic. I mean, that sounds like you know what what the, what the heck would that even mean, right? But just just imagine that for a moment, if you can, someone who just doesn't, you know, they're like, oh, you know, logic doesn't work with me. What logic could you use? What could logic could you point to in order to prove them wrong? Um, you know, it doesn't. If if they don't already accept um, a priori, a, a priori, on some level, the value of logic. You know, if they don't accept some of the first principles of logic, 
um, then you know you couldn't possibly change their mind. It seems to me that that's the case, right? And and again, I don't want to. I'm I'm afraid that we, in even mentioning that we're going to get right into the transcendental argument, and that'll hijack the whole episode. So I I tread lightly in that in that realm. But um, but okay. So just more specifically, I think. Uh, and maybe I can sort of rephrase how Gödel put this, right? Gödel, the famous uh, mathematician philosopher, he, you know, consistent axiomatic systems inevitably find themselves uh, at some point incapable of proving certain truths, and especially um, the truth of that overall system. So it can't justify self-justify itself, and that just seems to me that's just a fact of of basic logic. And if it's true for arithmetic, it follows that it's true for any other sort of axiomatic system. And so insofar as we have, um, insofar as we're talking about moral or ethical frameworks, paradigms that work by the, in a sort of axiomatic way like that, where they start by first principles or first axioms, right? And the logic therein or thereby follows from those principles. It just seems to be the case that you know, there's just going to be that flaw or deficiency um, uh, in, in being able to justify, and I guess my my point in bringing this up is that it I just it seems to me that this is the case f- again for whatever the moral framework is. I don't see how anyone can get out of this at some point. Um, you know, I mean, anyone could just it, I, if you or me, if I was sitting here, one of us was uh, trying to um, you know assert our first principles. It seems to me that the other person could sit there and continually ask why why x or with respect to that why this you know you we could play the whole you have no ontological foundation foundation game both ways um and i i mean please correct me if i'm wrong i I don't think it doesn't seem to me that um any of you is going to be able to get out of that uh, and this basic problem and and so it seems to me therefore that it's it's just more constructive if we just sort of and i know you're not going to do this because you're just going to butcher me up (laughs) on all that but it just seems more constructive if we just sort of Instead of getting into the whole you have no ontological foundation game, we just instead of examine uh, and evaluate uh, the proposed ethical systems in terms of their um, internal coherency and consistency, and, and then perhaps also in terms of the consequences that they actually you know have in the world. Of course, that again that just sort of presupposes consequentialism, and maybe you don't <laughs> maybe you don't have any uh, sympathy towards consequential consequentialist ethics at all, but. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think uh, I would want to get out. Yeah, I think without without going into the transcendental issue, without without bring you know, I'll bring it up, but without going into it, I think this is where something like uh, um, you know Leibniz's um, con- you know argument from contingency um, is helpful. Yeah. Girdle is uh, by the way. For, we keep saying Girdle for those of you who are trying to look it up. It's it's. G with G O D E L the little the little umlaut over uh, the you know um, so don't look up have like, fun with that yeah on yeah uh, you'll you'll get like <laughs> women's uh, undergarments um, <laughs> if uh, there there there's a certain point where where um, Girdle's right where where the axioms of a certain system um, can't be justified from within the system and that and that's the whole point. But it can be justified from outside of the system, and that's where we get into these meta questions. So, so I agree with with Girdle that that we could say, well, you know, um, we have certain axioms of mathematics um, that you can't you can't derive or defend the axioms themselves from within mathematics. But we can still philosophically ask the question: uh, from whence comes mathematics? Uh, we can ask the meta questions about it. And I think the same thing happens for for morality. We might be able to look around the world and say, "Look, we can, we can just uh, stipulate, for the sake of argument, uh, moral realism." But that's not really the question that we're talking about here. The question that we're talking about is is from whence from whence that moral realism, right? Not not how do you defend the axioms from within the system. It's it's why yes. does that system exist in the first place? So we're asking those meta questions, and I think that that's that's where that major deficiency is going to come in, and I think that that's where we're going to get the inconsistency uh, with with a moral realism trying to cohabitate with some type of non-theism uh, or naturalism, uh, because that's where that grounding issue is going to come in. So for for I'll, I'll give an example. I'm going to give this example up front, and then I'll I'll keep using this as an example when when you bring up. Uh, possible ways to to ground um, moral objectivity. So let let's just say um, that that under 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 every every moral system in every possible world, right? I, I, let's just let's just try to stipulate this because this would take hours to try to defend. Uh, yeah. Some, something like um, 
you ought to act justly or justice uh, is an objective moral good. Um, I think we can we can just stipulate it, even if it isn't necessarily the case that in every possible world uh, that that would be the case. But just for the sake of argument, can we can we grant that? Sure. Okay. Just just as, just argument. as a prop, just as a proposition. <laughs> sure. So so every, in every moral system, in every possible world, there there is going to be the moral fact that you know justice is good. Or I mean, that's such a sloppy way of saying it. But um, the the question is so on 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 theism. We can say, you know, why is justice good, um, and and we can have a, a, a metaphysical grounding for it uh, within the nature of God because it reflects the nature of God, and then we have when when you say, well, well, you know, why did God exist? We then have the resources of necessary existence um, for 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 concepts from which that makes sense. But on a non-theistic worldview, on a, on on a naturalistic worldview. The question, why is why does justice exist? I've said this to you before, and I know that that, that uh, William and Craig says says something similar. I don't even know. I mean, someone would literally have to explain it to me better than anyone has, because I don't know what it means to say justice exists. Like just just as just as like a free floating platonic, I don't know. I know what it means to say acts are just. I know what it means to say persons are just, which that would fall under God being just. Uh, I, I know I know what that means as as an adjective. I don't know what it means to say justice exists without that category being filled by saying, well, justice exists because just acts exist, right? So so I don't know what it means to say, you know. Um, there, there is this, there is this, you know, objective realm of moral facts where where justice exists as the standard uh, by which you know acts measure up to. So that's why, on kind of that non-theistic, naturalistic um, um, position, I don't think you can ground um, any type of moral realism. Whereas on on a theistic version, we can give an explanation, we can give a foundation for those moral axioms, even if we treat on both systems, even if we treat them both as axiomatic. Does that kind of uh, make sense a little bit? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, admittedly, I, part of the problem here is like when we talk about things existing conceptually and abstract, I think they are just on some level just ambiguous and hard to really pin pin uh, down and and, uh, and and so especially when we try to understand them in the normal sense that we understand things which is to say um, in a sort of uh, in space and time right and so like I don't know you're right I don't really know what it means to say that justice exists um, j- that it just exists full stop um, just like it's I don't know what it means to say that the number four exists just full stop right but again, I mean, I, it, it seems to me that that's just that's is precisely what we mean when we say that these when something exists in a construct or conceptual sense, which is I don't know. It's just to say that it's it's a possible um, insofar as you have the brains capable of understanding it, right? It just exists necessarily in, in an abstract <laughs> conceptual sense, right? But that, so so that's so that's that's the point that I'm trying to make, though, is I think that these can exist if you have mind. So, so I, I think that there, so uh, laws of logic, uh, morality, all these kind of things can exist if you have a person or a mind to house it, so to speak. Whereas you, you this is what I'm saying, you don't have that type of resource. But that, but see, this is what I'm, and this is what I mean about the problem with conceptual as opposed to existing physically, because I think it's wrong. Uh, again, we, it, it's, a, and it's a colloquial way of talking about it that we say that a concept exists in a mind. But it, I think that that itself is problematic if you really reduce it and, and boil it down to like ontologically speaking, right? Because what does that mean? I mean, it's not to. Do you really think that like in like it's like your brain, the mind is almost like a compartment, and inside it, it, it contains concepts I, I i don't know that 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 doesn't seem that seems odd to me to even think about uh to think about concepts in that sense that that you know that well you know it, they don't exist in an abstract sense but they do in a rather in a but in a sort of abstract slash mental sense like i don't i'm not sure what that what that even means but i mean but that's that's why i mean the, really one, one thing if you'll allow me to to kind of humor me here i i think that it seems to me that you do still have to sort of um, assert the, the first principles of your particular view, and so, I mean, for so for instance, you you have this this idea um, of a divine attribute theory, 
Um, and I don't want to butcher this, but maybe just I'll try to sort of summarize what I think it is, and then you can clarify and tell me what it really is, and then maybe I can see or we can see if this sort of the charge that I'm that I'm bringing to it that if it does apply to it and so and so for instance what I th- what I, what I think um, it means is rather than the sort of traditional uh, divine command theory which grounds morality moral value moral values uh, in the commands um, of God I think it seems to me that divine attribute theory modified divine command theory theological voluntarism whatever you call it instead is trying to ground moral values in the nature of God. And then there's a kind of second point that the commands follow necessarily from the nature, and, and therefore that's seen as sort of the solution or way uh, of getting around the euthyphro dilemma, which uh, I think itself is something that would, would be worth us getting into a little bit because it's an issue that I'm kind of particularly particularly interested in and hope to uh, explore more in depth in my in my studies as I go on. But um, but anyway, so I mean, just roughly speaking, is that a very a simplified, a fair characterization of of you know this this divine attribute theory of yours uh it, it's it's a it's a simplified it's a simplified version i would i would um you would you know sharpen it a little bit yeah I, I would nuance <laughs> it a little bit um and, and i would i would actually point out um historically uh divine command theory or voluntarism um wasn't really concerned with moral values um it was concerned with with moral obligations um, so, so the question wasn't really, you know, what grounds uh, the moral worth or, or worthlessness uh, of murder. It's, it's why, why do I have an obligation not to murder? Uh, and, and voluntarism and, and divine command theory is going to say, um, well, it's because, uh, you know, God has either commanded by natural revelation or special revelation uh, not to do so. Um, and so that they're they're much more concerned with with um, with moral obligations, whereas I think divine attribute theory um, moves it back. It's really just answering kind of a different question. Uh, I think it grounds um, moral values um, more, and it doesn't really address that much the question of um, moral obligations. Yeah. So, so I I think that that difference is kind of helpful in understanding. Um, that divine and and this is why a lot of people from when I talk to them they they reject divine command theory and, and I want to say well look you're you're rejecting it because uh, for for reasons that it was never meant to address and then a lot of yeah. people will lump in divine attribute theory and say well and then they'll start asking uh, obligation questions and then that's where I point it well you know that that's not really what that theory is trying to address that's kind of why right. I would nuance that a little bit differently but for the for the most part yeah you have it you have it correct. Okay. Well, maybe just to even make it even more precise, let me just ask you this. I mean, what does it mean to say that something is good? Just uh, yeah. Full stop. Uh, something, something is good insofar as aligns with the character of God. Okay. So why? Why does it? Why is it good? Because it aligns with the character of God. Yeah. Why? What is it about that property that makes something good? Uh. Well, at that point, we're going to get to the we're going to get to saying, well, God is the is the he is the the fountainhead, the foundation. Uh, I mean, it's like asking. Uh, this might be not the the best example. Where where where's the is it in France somewhere where all the the housing of of weights and measures like the official housing? Yeah. Like what is exactly one ounce? Yeah, I just heard a radio lab. I, yeah. I just- <laughs> and and like every every other ounce is an approximation to the to the one true legitimate that's what an ounce is so it's like asking asking why god is the ground is the foundation for for the good um asking basically asking why is the good the good is kind of a tautological question it's like asking why is the standard of an ounce an ounce um to, to well maybe Maybe, maybe one would ask that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Keep yeah, going. I mean, but but at that point, I'm just gonna say, well, well, the, there's a certain there's a certain point where that question is is, is it, it's like asking, well, well, why is a bachelor unmarried? Yeah, uh, I, I I'm not sure um, that the question is is that meaningful um, to to begin with. Where I mean, we're gonna say right uh, that that God is the, God is the foundation you know what what is good in 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 creation is good insofar as aligns with the good is because the good is the good right but <laughs> but again okay so i i suppose in one sense i, I would i would question whether that that analogy holds you know between whether you can uh you know whether that 
is what an ounce is, right? Like that just is the case, and therefore we kind of start from that point, and everything sort of works in respect to that. But because I still think that that initial move, that that you know that God's nature just is essential goodness. Uh, I mean, and for I, I I hesitate here because again, I don't we don't have time to get into maximally great arguments and ontological yeah. arguments. If, uh, again, maybe we could come back to that in another episode. Uh, yeah, but, because, because I think that's largely going to – I'm trying to answer it as simply and briefly because yes. I would like to get onto the problem of evil. Um, right, exactly. But, okay. but, um, but I think that that largely is going to be where the, where the answer is going to come in uh, because uh, there, there's a certain point where we're working kind of – right now we're working deductively and inductively. We're trying we're, – we're working – we're kind of going up to God, but once you get there – uh, I think you have to kind of switch gears and go more abductively. So, 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 what is the support for that? Um, that's when I would switch gears and say, well, because uh, God is the necessary condition for there. So, th- this is basically yeah. why the moral argument is the moral argument because because I'm going to say, well, at that point, we wouldn't have moral goods if God wasn't the good necessarily. Um, and, and in order, I, I think, in order to provide a defeater for that, um, we would still need something. Uh, and 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 I and I kind of like to push you into into now giving a, a, you know a concrete, yes, uh, possible yes. example. You know, how could there be the good, uh, a foundation for good, objective good, real good, moral realism, within a non-theistic uh, worldview, within 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 a a, a literally a godless um, cosmos. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Let's just get right into that because again, there's so much I could say about everything you just said. <laughs> right, right. So it's just it's sort of just a, it's sort of like the infinite hotel, if you will. We just keep adding rooms to it, and we're never going to get done. So, but okay. So one thing, just real, real clear, uh, real point of clarification is I think it it very clearly has to do with what we mean by objective. And I think in you and anyone else would admit that philosophers, especially, are are you know are very bad about using this. In other words, there's no really consensus. It seems to me as to what exactly um, objective means when we're in, in this con- in this context, and of course, like when William Lane Craig, for instance, when he uses the word, he's usually very careful to clarify what he means. Interestingly, it kind of changes from time to time, uh, depending on what how precisely he puts it. And I think the differences that there are important because it, it kind of uh, has implications for again for what it even means. But I would just say right off the bat that when I say that something is objectively wrong. Um, and maybe we should just maybe I should just not even use the word objectively again and and, and just try to find another way of, uh, of talking about this so as to get around this issue that uh, that people like you seem to have you know that I don't have, I shouldn't even use that word and maybe I could maybe I could find a, a you know a philosophically appropriate uh, and respectable term to use that still captures what I'm going to try to get at when I say this and yet doesn't run into this issue but anyway so I would say that when I say that something's objectively wrong, I just mean to say that there are reasons uh, apart from any sort of subjective inclinations or or feelings about the issue uh, as to why it's wrong. And so, I mean, that that's a sort of initial, just a starting point. As just so you, just to be clear, what I say that it's objective, I don't necessarily mean that it's objective in the sense that this ex- exists in the world, and therefore, if all of the minds were suddenly to just be taken away from, out of the universe, that it would still persist and obtain. So, like one, and so that sort of leads into one fir- first initial point that I want to make is that it does seem to me that if we, uh, whatever we're talking about ethics, or if there is such a thing as ethics and morality, we're necessarily talking about uh, minds, about conscious beings. And one way that I would kind of uh, try to justify that is just to say that, again, imagine a universe without any consciousness or any minds whatsoever. It's just a universe of rocks and stars and, and such. This seems to me that that universe is not a universe where moral is, morality is even possible, let alone – it doesn't even make sense to even think or speak about morality in that context, right? Like that just doesn't – and so in other words, it just seems to follow necessarily that whatever ethics is, whatever we're talking about on some ultimate or some fundamental level, we are talking about – conscious uh, beings and of course this that initial claim that's n- and no by n- by no means is it sort of exclusive towards or to atheists or something like that that's something that anyone virtually could get on board if they're you know if they're interested in getting into this whole moral uh, moral uh, framework in the first place but so with that said i mean I, as I kind of said already at one point and as i've told you before i mean it seems to me that when we talk about whether or not something's 
right or wrong or good or bad, and I'm not going to make a distinction between those words like you would in terms of the obligation and, and uh, the God obligating us to do it. I'm just going to kind of use those interchangeably. And I know there are problems there, but just allow me to do it or else, again, we're never going <laughs> to get anywhere. But So when I say that something is, is right or wrong or good or bad, I just mean to say that the it is uh, like in the context of let – me, let me say it again. If an, uh, when I say that an action – uh, is right or wrong, good or bad. I'm saying that it is uh, it causes unnecessary or gratuitous harm. And so, and it, just to flesh that out, I mean, most of us will know exactly what I mean when I say that. But again, I mean, we there's a difference between, um, say, taking your child to the dentist, um, in which the child will almost certainly just you know experience discomfort and perhaps even fear and anxiety. Uh, but it's uh, it's a necessary evil in that sense if if you allow me to talk about that as evil (laughs) the kid thinks it's evil right Uh, but so it's a necessary evil it's not gratuitous because there's reasons um for why we would do that uh reasonably why we would do that that is um and and so therefore and so an example of you know uh, a gratuitous harm uh, that isn't necessary would be like um raping a, a woman or raping a child um and i'll bracket that and say that uh specifically raping or you know a child or a person without any sort of you know utilitarian justification because maybe someone could immediately pose to me well suppose you had to rape a, a person to save you know a million other people or something like that and you know and I, I don't want to get into utilitarian calculus and how on earth we would even do that right, right. Um, so I just want to get that basic distinction down between uh, a gratuitous action uh, and and a non gratuitous action and so that would be the first one just that, that okay so I think when we're talking about right or wrong we're talking about First, we're talking about uh, conscious beings, and second, we're talking about actions, whether or not these actions cause gratuitous harm uh, to, uh, obviously, to other beings. Um, now, and one other thing that's interesting to think about is I've, I kind of contemplate this is um, does it make sense? So I've, just like I said, it doesn't seem to me to make sense to think about morality in a universe without any minds uh, at all. But suppose it was a universe with one mind, like God. You could say God or whatever. I mean. You know, like, it is, it, does it make sense to really talk about morality in that context without there being other minds around? And so, again, and maybe there's another aspect that I could add to this if I had time to further flesh it out, that another aspect, sort of a necessary aspect of, of this, uh, beyond there just the, being the existence of minds, is that there's more than one mind, right? So it doesn't really make sense. It's hard to, like, the you know, if there's just one mind hanging out in the universe, what could he do wrong? If the, there's, there's no one there, in other words, to sort of infringe upon so it would seem you know but again that's sort of an aside i don't want to you know get too much into that but maybe you're going to hate me for for even bringing this up but some people would just stop it there they would just pull the brakes and uh and, and these would be the non-foundationalists right they would just say that I, they, they know just further justification is even needed and they would press you to explain why and they or so they would you know run a sort of burden of proof or onus on you to express why it is the case that we need something further to say that something is wrong is insofar that we just carefully delineate what we mean when we say that. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stake my flag there. But if you wanna, if you wanna at least come back at the non-foundationalists who would say that, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think um, at this, at this point, um, and and I'm not sure if you're gonna keep building from this. Um, at this point, I think the assumption of of morality has already been smuggled in, so to speak. I, I, I would I would ask them, and, and I'm not sure if, if you're going to keep building on this, I, w- I would just ask them, um, why is gratuitous, why is causing gratuitous suffering immoral or wrong or evil or, or bad or however, what term, there, there, there's already, there's already smuggled in the back door, so to speak, um, that causing gratuitous uh, suffering um, would be wrong or evil, right? So if, if they're going to say, well, I don't need to provide a foundation for it. Um, I, I'm going to say, well, look, I, I, we're not even to, we're not even to the point of needing a foundation. We're at the point where, where I'm still trying to figure out uh, why why is that even wrong, as opposed to um, still just uh, just preference, um, wish fulfillment, you know, kind of a, a, a Nietzschean will to power. I, I it's, right. it's still not, and this is this is my by the way my major critique, uh, my, and many other people's major critique of Sam Harris because Sam Harris wrote you know the moral landscape an entire book. That basically argues that that whole point, 
uh, and he's going to say, look, uh, the entire point of morality is to is to bring about, you know, the the maximal um, uh, amount of human flourishing. And the major argument is, well, well, that's that's great. You you've already you've already but you've already assumed the conclusion of moral realism. Your your, your whole project was to show how you could ground moral realism right. uh, on naturalism. And he basically said, look, assuming moral realism <laughs> and and moved on <laughs> from there. And so we're going to say, well, no, no, no. The entire the entire question is supposed to be how can you ground that moral moral realism? So I, I, I'm still waiting for uh, on a non-theistic uh, worldview, on a naturalistic worldview, why is it wrong to, to cause or to bring about gratuitous yeah. Yeah. Uh, evil and suffering? And one thing would, you know, again, I mean, they would they would then push back and say that, well, that's sort of like when I asked you, why is it the case that God is is essentially good? And again, I realize that you would have an ontological argument to try to back that up, but I don't at all think that that's that that ontological argument is a good argument. I mean, I, and so and so I I would have to be convinced further that that is the case. But 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 more than that, I mean, just to be clear, just so the people everyone who, who's listening know, I mean, Sam Harris isn't a non-foundationalist. I know I know you weren't saying that, right. but I don't. To give that impression, I mean, he does believe that he can provide a foundation. It's just a matter of whether or not he actually can, or, or whether or not it's a sound foundation. And you obviously disagree. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I again, I don't want to put, I don't want to, you know, defend Sam Harris too much because I do think there are some issues, um, especially c- given his the his uh, his views regarding free will and the way in which that fits into his whole moral framework. Because I don't think he has ever ad- ad- adequately ad- uh, addressed that, whether in print or in debates. And he, especially in like the debate with Craig, Craig reamed him pretty good about that point. And he, it's by my ears, he never even really rejoined, uh, had a rejoinder for it. So, um, but I mean that is, but the, but I th- again, one of the reasons why I like and I think it's constructive. Of the Sam Harris's writings on these and his philosophical writings, even though he's not a philosopher in, in many eyes, I, I think it's constructive because it does his the basic point he makes about the the foundational uh, issue and and more importantly about a point about how we we don't seem to demand this sort of self justification for other disciplines. And so he gives the example of like health, for instance, and he, other and just other fields within science, right? And and so like he, we, he, one of the ways he fleshes that out, he talks about at, at science, for instance. And you're going to probably uh, applaud me again for saying this because so many people in my camp will, will will not say this, but science itself, at the heart of science, does have a, a certain values. Um, you know, it just presupposes, say, the value of empiricism, for instance, or the value of um, of just evidence. You know, like and the and the you know, just different things like that. And it also, you could argue that it values something like the principle of sufficient reason, right? Or the the you know the the just the 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 idea that we actually can trust or that we even can uh, discern things in the universe. And and there are so there are certain values at the heart of science, but but no one, at least typically. Typically, and maybe, and this is one of my critiques of Sam Harris, is that well, maybe we should do this. But uh, he will say is that no one really questions those things in the way that uh, they do when someone tries to say that science can ground morality. And of course, when he says science, he's not talking about simply the the scientific method or something like that. He uses science in a very broad sense, and that's another problem, right? He does it. There are times where he does bother to open that out and say what he means. When what he really means is basically just like knowledge or something like or something like that, which he happens to think. Is best informed by science, right? But, but, uh, but, okay. So, you know, Sam here again. I, I don't, I don't want to stick my camp, my flag in his camp too much because I, that's clearly not the only way uh, to go in this, in this, to the in terms of trying to, you know, construct or try to have a, a sense of more value in the absence of God. And and so maybe another way. Um, and I, at some point, I do think we should maybe get into the necessary truth thing. But I, I realize that we need to. We haven't even got into problem of evil yet, so uh, I'm bearing that in mind. But what, maybe one other way that I would uh, that at least is somewhat appealing to me um, that I've come across uh, atheist philosophers. Shelley Kagan in particular is a good example. He's I think he expresses this just brilliantly. Uh, but again, both in print or in debates and. And it's just essentially it would be to say that after we had that first initial bit about harm and about uh, the presence of consciousness in minds and how that's in, in key, um, that he would also then he would come around and try to say that the way we um, the way we ground it uh, in a sort of the, or the meta ethic that we would point to would be something that we would draw on the lines of contractarian thought. And so as I said earlier, I said that word, and that's one of those words where you need to you know contract. Contractarian, contractarianism would there's a there's uh, historically you know there are different 
um, there are sort of different movements and politically, uh, so there's like political contractarian thought and then there's sort of the more ethical view and I'm focusing on the latter, right? So the idea would just be that um, uh, it's, a, it's a hypothetical thought experiment essentially that um, the, the, the rules, the moral rules, the right and wrong and so on that we um, – <clears throat> or you know what the moral rules are essentially the rules that we would give to each other um, insofar that we were perfectly rational and perfectly impartial, and so in other words, you know what the idea is, um, it, ha- it has to be perfectly rational first of all, obviously, because no one wants to uh, no one wants to follow rules that are unreasonable, right? You don't want to just follow arbitrary rules that are just made up, and that's part of the thrust of the original uh, Euthyphro dilemma, the argument against the original traditional divine command theory. You know that that it that it does just seem arbitrary. But um, I th- go, I go think, ahead. I think, yeah, I think at this point, um, I, I'm I'm still waiting um, for a possible foundation for anything like uh, objective moral realism because I, I think my, my my question originally still stands um, which is you know why uh, is is gratuitous causing gratuitous suffering um, uh, why is that an objective um, moral um, moral ill so so for example on on contractarianism um, it, by the by, the way, I, I I would never say that nihilism is arbitrary. Um, I, I could have you know I could have perfectly good reasons why I prefer mustard over ketchup, um, but that doesn't mean that mustard is objectively uh, better uh, than ketchup because because taste just is a subjective preference. You know I I you know so it's yeah. it's not it's not arbitrary, uh, but it's not it's not actually true. Uh, that mustard is better than ketchup. What I should say is I prefer mustard over ketchup. Um, so on contractarianism, um, that that when I say it's wish fulfillment, um, that that is that is actually contractarianism just is a project in wish fulfillment. It, it basically says it, we look around the world and we say, look, um, there's no such thing as objective moral values, but we just as a group we really don't like rape. Uh, we don't we don't want it in our societies. It's not productive to our goals. So so we're gonna call it wrong. I mean I mean if the, if there were people that were like intentionally thought leading this right that's not some right. organic thing. You know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call it wrong. We're gonna kind of imperialistically from the womb convince people that it actually is wrong, even though it's not act. There there's nothing actually wrong with it. Just we as a group have decided. We don't like it, and we don't want anyone to do it. Uh, it's just an act of of kind of um, um, ethical imperialism. So to, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of like a group version of will to power. Um, yeah, there, there's there which which is which is why I'm going to say look look at at this point that version just is that's nihilism just at a cultural level rather than a personal level. It's it's just it's cultural nihilism. It's it's the it's where where the Ubermensch, uh, the the overman, the the you know the Superman, isn't maybe an individual, but maybe it's a it's a ruling class. It's the powerful. It's the majority. And at, and yeah. at that point, there's going to be all kinds of logical corollaries to that. So so you know we're we're going to say well, um, if if the powerful, if the thought leaders have you know for for a long time, for centuries, have have said you know homosexuality is is evil immoral whatever there in order in order for a minority to get their position across in that system there there there's no such thing as as a human right they don't they don't have an actual right and they can't say no we're we're not you know evil we're not you know we're actually we're good they just need to be as or more persuasive of their uh of their of their wish of their desire than what's currently in the majority but but if we're if we're being technically accurate there's no there's still no such thing as an objective like you said where where objectivity is is rooted let's say you know objectivity in is rape is wrong because of what rape is independent of what people believe about it this version just is everything that is uh, that is considered morality just is precisely what people think about it. 
um, played out in kind of an imperialistic fashion where, where we're forcing people to believe and we're punishing people who, who disagree with us. Even though – it'd be like saying, look, uh, imagine a world where 2 plus 2 isn't 4. Right there, there's no. I can't. I mean, it's hard to imagine that because. But but imagine that's that's the case. That's we're gonna, card. Right. So we're you know imagine that type of world. But we're going to say, look, having two plus two equals four functionally works better. It, it helps our structure society. It helps us do all this kind of thing. It's not. It's not actually true, but it's better. And we're gonna we're gonna punish people who who believe differently than us because they're they're working counterproductive. But at that point, can we actually say that those people are wrong, right? So, so when we're looking at the sociopath, when we're looking at the rapist, yeah. if if we're if we're being grammatically correct to, to what contractarianism says, they, we can't say the rapist uh, did anything wrong. the the only The only you know crime they did was that they disagreed with us on on what they want. They they did what they wanted specifically rather than what we wanted as a whole. So, so that yeah. that is still that's still wish fulfillment. That that's still morality is illusory. So, so there's still on that level. There's there's, there's nothing still... under there's nothing under that non-theistic rubric that grounds that uh, causing gratuitous suffering is objectively that 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 gratuitous evil in and of itself is a, it has a has a moral value lessness or, or a negative value. Not just that it's this amoral thing with no moral worth, and we just we just really don't like it, and so we're gonna we're gonna impose that will on others. Does that kind of make sense? Okay, so a few a few things to what you just said there. Uh, just the first would just be to clarify, and again, I'm pre- I'm relatively sure that you are aware of this, but just so the listeners know, con- the idea in contractarianism isn't that right or wrong is a matter of what a bunch of really smart people get together and decide what right and wrong is right i mean it's 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 more nuanced than that and uh and maybe that's part of the problem uh it's it's a it's a thought experiment and in, in which we we sort of uh imagine ourselves as being perfectly rational and being perfectly impartial um and the idea then is that um, the rules, the moral rules that govern us here are the, are the sort of rules that we would give ourselves in that sort of situation. So insofar that we were perfectly rational and impartial. And again, the point being, you know, we um, rational, it's important because we don't want to follow rules that are unreasonable. And the second thing is important because, uh, you know, you don't want someone to rig the game in their favor, like in the favor of, say, like white older males or something like that. Uh, so and they need, need, these hypothetical beings would need to be impartial. Uh, and so another thing to say is that um, the reason why, at least on, on this line of reasoning and this paradigm, the reason why that, that those things are wrong is because it causes gratuitous harm. Again, I mean, that would be – that's why it's wrong. That's, what, that's the idea here because it causes gratuitous harm. And so, um, and, you know, and that, that – it's, so it's not that it's just wrong because I say it is or because the contract about it. Um, and, right, but and, I, I think I think right at that point is where is where my objection is going to come in, which is um, yeah. on 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 a non-theistic worldview. On a, right, do, do you see right there? That's that's where morality, objective morality, is getting smuggled in, right? Because the question is, uh, why is there anything that's that's objectively wrong? Right. So, so, so what contractarianism is is, is doing? And, and by the way, I mean I'm, I'm speaking somewhat just. I, I, when I'm saying like we we decide, uh, I, like I said, it's it's much more you know it's a thought experiment. It's much more organic than that. It's not that there's like a room yeah. full of guys sitting around you know talking about this you know deciding you know the the, the shapers. This um, is right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's nothing like that. It's much more organic. But at the same time, um, the 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 question itself is on the worldview why is there such a thing as the good or why is there such thing as a bad and and what's being smuggled in automatically is uh, look gratuitous causing gratuitous harm is wrong and so contractarianism is going to say well okay what type of principles can we put in place in order to to maximize the good and minimize gratuitous evil right because but it's already it's already on the assumption of moral realism, and so the, the, it, it's already it's already starting a mile down river, right? It's, we're, we're, it's skipping meta ethics and just assuming the meta ethics and getting correct, into applied ethics. Correct. Where, where where I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask, well, no, we we got to start at the spring, right? It on on naturalism on on non theism, I don't think there's a spring, 
I, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't think there's a fountainhead, um, right? So, so the the question is, what's the foundation, right? So going into going into all these different issues might be all well and good to show. And and by the way, this this is one of my criticisms for for some of my fellow theists. I I don't think a lot of um, educated theists or Christian apologists or anything like that make this case as uh, like some atheists think they do. Um, but this is why I would say, look, an atheist can be a perfectly moral person. You know, they, they can be ethical. They, they can follow, they can act in accordance with, with uh, moral values and moral duties. The question is, can they do that in concord with their own worldview or are they doing it in, in – are they acting better than they know? Are they acting in concord with my worldview? Um, right, and so, and right. So that's, that's where, that's where my question is, is some, still but, coming from. Right, and that's, it gets a key distinction too because that is – um, I mean, even a lot of atheists will misunderstand the moral argument, um, even when it's you know stated properly, and they'll sort of construe it as being an attack on the the moral character of atheists in general. And it's yeah, like you said, it's clearly not. That's not the idea. Um, the idea, you know, from your position is that yeah, even the atheist has a moral sense, and it's just the idea that that it was given to him by God. And and like you said, and then further, it's it's grounded in God's nature. And the question then is, you know, how how could the atheist actually do something something similar? You know, just as as an aside, and I know we need to get in the problem of evil. One thing that I've always uh, been bristling to ask um, a theist, uh, you know, especially of your uh, of your uh, sophistication and so on, would would be, what do you do? And I, I think I have an idea of what you're going to say. It has to do with what we said earlier about just the fact that you have colorblind people doesn't say doesn't you know is an argument it's in itself against the existence of color right? right but but nevertheless i am interested to hear what what you think about psychopathy and i, I it just seems it's interesting to me to think that god if the idea is that god has given all of us this moral sense why is it that or at least that it seems to be the case that he didn't give that moral sense to certain individuals and or why is it that 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 moral sense is like faulty and it doesn't seem to work and granted i understand that you know like again i can imagine what you're going to say and i you might say something like well because that's his prerogative <laughs> but but still i mean that i just it, it's just it interests me you know that would seem to be you know why the heck would you do that if i was god i wouldn't have made cycle back <laughs> right yeah, and, yeah, and there's there's a couple answers to it. One, you're absolutely right. Uh, just because there's there's some that are broken, you know, some that are blind doesn't mean no one has sight. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's also, you know, like I said before, you know, I I could damage my sense sight by staring at the sun. Um, I I don't know enough of the psychology, but from from what I do understand. Uh, I'm not sure there's a, there's, there's, um, and I, you know, I could be completely wrong on this, but just from my limited understanding, uh, I'm not sure if there, if there's proof that, that, you know, psychopathy or, or, or sociopathy, um, is by nature or nurture. Um, right. It, right. So, right. so, I mean, you, you could have someone, you could they have would, a child who by the time they're probably exi- argue nature. Yeah. So by, by, but, but you could completely conceive of by the time a child, um, is able to express moral um, what we would consider moral immoral actions, um, whatever nurture damage has already been done to get there. So, so I'm not, I'm not exactly sure um, uh, that yeah. that it that it's you know they're 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 born that way or to to be yeah. cliche. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and and then and then there is a sense right where I am just gonna you know. I don't typically appeal to to mystery or anything like that, uh, but there is a certain point where I'm going to say, you know, look, uh, you know, God, God, uh, at least on my view, within within my worldview, uh, created uh, a lot of beauty in the world, um, and there were some people who were born blind. Uh, so, so uh, you yeah. know, I, and so the same thing is why did God create blind people? I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I, oh. I, I don't. I, there, at that level, I just don't know. I don't have an answer. Um, so, right. so, but, but, but I, I would probably, you know, again, unless someone corrects me, I would, I, I, I would lean more towards, um, it's, it's more nurture than nature. Sure. Sure. Well, so, okay. So let's, I know we need to get into the problem of evil. So let me just say one, maybe one uh, other thing about all this, this morality thing. And one thing I, I want to say is that I think, and again, I, I, I would hope that you could agree. Most people could agree about uh, what some of this, what I'm about to say in, in such a way that, you know, I think to a certain extent, we, we do sort of each have our own unique set of moral intuitions. And again, not to say that there is an overlap. Um, in some cases with with one another because there clearly clearly is in some cases but but still that nevertheless that they are 
our deep moral intuitions um, are idiosyncratic, if you will, to any given person. And um, and, and and maybe the, I guess you could call this sort of like a loose characterization of uh, of Kant's moral autonomy. Um, and so I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the ways I understood that um, was in the context of say a, the way a particular Christian might come to the Bible with already having a certain set of moral values and, and predispositions, and then kind of sort of interprets the Bible in certain passages in the Bible through that filter, if you will. And so that, in that sense, we can call that like a sort of moral autonomy. Um, and, and so with that in mind, you know, I do think that um, in terms of you or I, uh, like I imagine this in the context of like when I took my ethics 101 class, like, you know, I don't know if you remember that, how long ago that was for you, but, you know, you, you go into the class. I loved it, by the way. It was so great. Uh, but, you know, you go into the class um, and you, you're just sort of confronted with all these different ethical views, these ethical paradigms, these different views that are sort of uh, that have been you know used over, throughout the years. And, you know, we each just sort of have our own moral autonomy in that. Some of these views wash with some of us, and some of them don't. And I, I, you know, it's not clear to me, uh, or at least it seems to me, that reasonable people can therefore disagree. Reasonable, intelligent people even can disagree about about this, about the morals of a particular moral system, just on the basis that uh, you know that again that it just doesn't really wash with them. It doesn't resonate with the way they understand uh, morality. And and again, I'm not. Conf- I don't. I want to make it clear. I'm not you know confusing moral epistemology with ontology. I just think this is. This is one of the, my observations that I've found about morality, um, and so whether it's you know a moral system that I'm you know p- perhaps horribly and pathetically trying to purvey here that centers on the causation of you know gratuitous harm, um, or whether Sam Harris's moral landscape or whatever, um, uh, yeah, I, I I just think that ultimately you know I'm not sure about this, and I think that. Um, I, I may, I hope maybe I'm wrong, and I hope that one day you can prove me, <laughs> prove me wrong, and then I'll just jump on board with you, and I can be happy and confident in my, you know, my, my uh, ethical judgments. <laughs> we'll high five at that point. But we will. I don't want. I don't want to say too because I know we really got to get into the problem of evil. So we we I, do. Uh, I I think I'll give you I'll give you one I'll give you one last shot because uh, you know and and this is where my bluntness is going to come out. Uh, I, I'm it. I'm not sure we've heard uh, even a proposal uh, of how there can be uh, moral realism uh, on a non-theistic uh, or naturalistic position. Um, I think the examples given, uh, like I said, kind of start with, uh, well, granted moral realism, uh, this is how it could possibly work out, right? So, so um, let, let's give you, let's give you another, you know, if, if you have it, another shot uh, at saying. Um, well, I, I don't think I don't. I need to re, you know, repeat anything. I think you think it's just this is maybe this is kind of that point that I just said, you know, that uh, ultimately there is some. Uh, seems to me at least there's a subjective element to this, and that to you that just doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, but again, I there are plenty of ethicists, including myself. Uh, what am I? I'm who am I kidding? I'm not an ethicist, but there are plenty of ethicists who like myself who also would say that uh, the sort of divine attribute theory that you that you're pointing to also doesn't work. And I know that you have reasons why you think they're wrong, and it can go back and forth. But um, you know, again, I I don't I don't it's not blunt, and that's why I appreciate your bluntness. But it, this reminds me of the debate that Harris and Craig had, where at the end of the debate, uh, Craig pretty much said the same thing that you know, like, and you said this about Harris too that you this whole time, the whole debate, you never actually bothered to give an account of moral realism. And admittedly, ha- you know, half of the debate, he did just sort of go off on red herrings attacking, you know, Craig's faith and his other other issues. But but it's I, I think it's a bit disingenuous to say that he didn't give, or at least didn't even try didn't, to propose some sort of foundation. And it's more about you just don't think that that foundation washes, that, doesn't, that it works. And that's fine. I mean, again, I, that's why I said at the beginning that I'm not necessarily... Um, stapled to this. It's just that this so far, these are some of the best, some of the ways that I've seen atheists try to make sense of this. And and as I said, I don't. I, it's, it seems to me that there are at least some theists too who you know who don't agree with the first premise of the moral argument, that who don't agree that atheism entails moral nihilism. And I'm not not appealing to their authority in, in in any way as to the truth of the matter. More just to sort of you know show that I don't think it's as clear, cut and dry as, as you as you're as you're making it here. But maybe I'm wrong. You know that's fine. Fair, fair. So fair enough. I I, I mean I, we we do got to get onto the, uh, the the problem of evil. The problem of evil. So uh, at this point, um, we we will let the uh, we'll let the listeners uh, decide uh, your fate. 
th- thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, live or die. Does, does, does the does the argument uh, live on into glory uh, that Corey has given, or uh, is it is it uh, thrown to be mauled by the by the lions? Um, so so you know, uh, comment comment early, comment often. Uh, we uh, on on the post for this episode in, in the group. So uh, we'll we'll see how people. Um, uh, think about it if if there is a, a possible foundation that has been provided on, on naturalism or non-theism so that's it for this episode of the Freed Thinker podcast uh, listen next time as we pick up where this conversation left off and we dive into the problem of evil which is really the main topic we wanted to get to uh, the moral philosophy actually uh, was going to be a side topic trying to get some of the rabbit trails out of the way kind of preempt those um, but they ended up being two episodes in a three-part series. So next time, the concluding episode dealing with the problem of evil with my friend and atheist, Corey Markham. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, commendations, or condemnations, feel free to contact us, freethinkerpodcast at gmail.com. Visit the blog, freethinkerpodcast.blogspot.com, or find us on the Facebook group, The Freethinker Podcast. Thank you again for joining us. Good night, and God bless.